Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking with Gloria Swift, author of They Called Me Mama, a children's book about a mama sheep who did things her way. And Gloria will tell us all about mama in just a little bit. But before we get started, here is the inside scoop on Gloria. Gloria Swift immigrated to the United States in 1973 and served in the United States Army, where she received many firsts in awards and recognition. Ms. Swift also served as the first female police officer on the Foster City Police Department, a time when it was difficult for black women to integrate into a white, male-dominated profession. Ms. Swift is also a retired educator who holds multiple degrees and credentials in education. Ms. Swift enjoys authoring real stories about real people. She does not shy away from the issues that affect human lives. Ms. Gloria Swift spends her time commuting between the United States and Belize, where as a director, she is actively involved in the nonprofit organization, the John and Adele Swift Development and Enrichment Center, established in honor of her parents, providing for those who need food, financial assistance in education, and transportation. She also assists in the family's B&B in Belize. In her spare time, Ms. Swift visits countries around the world and soaks in the culture. For more information about Gloria Swift and her works, visit her Amazon author page at amazon.com slash Gloria Swift. Well, hi, Gloria. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm always interested to learn what motivates someone to sit down and actually write a book. So I would like to start with that question. So uh, why don't you tell us about your writing journey? What did that look like? When did you start writing and why did you start writing? When I was going to school, education was very important. Not only did the teacher pushed it, and you notice I said push because there was no, nobody could fail, but my mother was also our teacher at home mm. and we didn't have any entertainment. There was no TV, no video games, none of that stuff, but books. And I used to read lots and lots and lots of books. I used to think, hmm. I could write one of these things. And so I just used to write stories about, you know, flowers on the farm or the animals on the farm, maybe one or two pages, read it to my siblings and then tore them up and move on. But when I came to the United States and started working in various jobs, I realized I had a story to tell. And that's when I started penning in my diary. Mm. Every day I would write down what happened, good or bad. And then in 1990, I decided that I had enough to tell a story based on my experiences in the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah, I bet you had a lot of great stories to tell. So what is They Called Me Mama about? They Called Me Mama is about the relationship, not only between mama, sheep, and I, but the relationship among the animals, the different animals, and my sister's and I, mm. the relationship we have and share with these animals. When we were younger and growing up, animals were just that. They serve a purpose. You, They had certain food that they ate. Um, most had to rummage for themselves because you're out in the country. There was no money tree. So, you know, you live off what you're farming 
And those of us who are lucky to have a few cows, then you can sell the cows to buy what you needed, what you couldn't grow. So when I went back and looked at the way the relationship we had with these animals, I decided this is different. This is really different. So former Belizeans, including those who grew up in rural areas, this would be a rude awakening for them because we all treated animals the same way when we were growing up. And for me to write a book that say, hey, they're different. They hurt like we do. They can love you in their own way. And the feeling is reciprocal. And so not only with mama sheep, but with the other animals and just how they could be like people. Like, for example, in one part of the book, this turkey had these little chicks. And I noticed she was teaching them how to respond if there's a danger. Mm. And I was like, I'm fascinated. I didn't know they did this. I never paid attention to this before, you know? So it's things like that. I'm like, wow, I have to tell this because this is unreal. And so that's how I started collecting these little snippets about life on the farm to tell the story without it being overwhelming, but have an animal tell the story. And what better animal to tell the story than Mama Sheep? And I called her Mama. And there's a reason I called her Mama because she was the matriarch. She was there first. And as Mm. she started having lambs, then I noticed the relationship the others had with her. And I'm like, oh. And then after she was injured, after she was bitten, then, you know, she had a baby, but I always called her, okay, mama, come on, come on, mama, come on. And you can teach animals because she started responding. (laughs) You say, mama, and here she comes. So that's why I said, I have to tell this story. It's a learning experience for children. Yeah. Unless you have grown up on a farm, you don't think about the animals having a purpose. The only thing you would know about animals is that, oh, I have a puppy and it's my pet. And it's mm-hmm. a big difference. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting, just looking at the other side of things. And, you know, when you realize that animals have feelings too, that can be a wake-up moment for some. Yes. When Mama um, lost a set of twins, in I told about her story a little bit. Um, my sister, who was a retired nurse, she called me and she said, Mama is in labor, but it's going to be a difficult one. And usually we don't see them as difficult. You wake up in the morning and you have a set of twins or you have a sheep, a lamb running around. But this time she was watching Mama and so she called me and I don't know what to do. So I'm just looking. But Mama was really struggling and she lost both. Aww. But it was it was surprising to me that Mama stayed in that same location where she lost the babies for three days oh, wow. she wouldn't move she wouldn't eat and i'm going this is like a mother in mourning mm-hmm. these animals are more than animals and so it's little incidents like those that i experienced that really said you know tell the story tell the story yeah yeah now i love that mama tells her own story in the book what prompted you to present the story in this manner All my other books have always been a person talking and a person telling. And sometimes I think after a while, for me, it gets boring. And I just like to change things up. Even as an educator, I do not follow the rules. I can't (laughs) teach lockstep. I have to go out and I have to make it encouraging and I have to make it, you know, interesting. And I have to make people want to get involved with it. And so that's why I decided, you know what? Mama was not only a sheep. Mama was like a person. 
person. Look at her behavior. You know, she knows when to mosey up onto the door. And even if she doesn't see anybody, she's speaking in there and buying to get our attention. I go, Mama can tell this story. The kids would love this. It will be very interesting. Yeah. And I love the little snippets we get from her, you know, mama saying, what in sheep's name is happening? You know, (laughs) (laughs) oh, that made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Cute. I noticed mama had names for everyone on the farm. Can you tell us about Curly and Sweaters and Hats Lady? Who are these people to mama? Curly is I, yours truly. Um, I, I was the one who got my sisters involved with mama as a person rather than a sheep. Okay. And then um, when they come and they were there, Hats Lady was the retired nurse. And every day she showed up, she had all these hats. And I would say, why do you change your hats every day? And she would just look at me. So that was her thing. Um, sweaters. She, I don't know what, even from here, like right now it's 80 degrees right now where I am and it could be 90 degrees, but she has to wear a big jacket, a big sweater because she doesn't want to get sick. Well, on the farm, she wears them because she doesn't want to be bitten by mosquitoes and she wants to keep the heat off. And so she would have these and I would say, take that stuff off. It makes me hot. And she said, no, it's taking care of my body because I'm here. Healthcare is expensive. So I need to take care of myself. So she's retired from business. She was working for the state. Hats lady was a retired physician assistant. And I am the retired educator, my last job. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would probably be sweaters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, well, I was curious about these people and their relationship to Mama. I like Mama's names for them. Now, you grew up in Belize and then you left to come to America and you were away for quite some time. When did you first return to the farm and what was it like going back after all those years away? I left in 1973 and I went back in 2014. So when I went back to 2014 and showed up at the property, it was nothing but bush. I mean, you couldn't find anything. Whatever Mm. was there walked away. The house was gone. Everything, the animals were gone. The cattle, everything was gone. And so I said, I'm not coming back to this place anymore. I'm finished. Mm -hmm. But while I was there, some women stopped by. We were standing outside. And my, they knew my cousin. My cousin was my tour guide because I couldn't find anything back in Belize. There were no names on the streets. I couldn't find anything. And up in the rural area, all the people I grew up with that we knew were either dead or over here in the States or have moved away to the city. Mm. But these women from the villages came. And as my cousin introduced me as the smart teacher, they wanted to know how can I help their kids because the kids in the rural areas were not becoming as educated as the kids in the city. And I say, I find that strange because when I left here, I went to the best, and that's my opinion, the best girls school in the country. And that was St. Catherine's Academy for girls. I said, but I didn't feel like I couldn't compete. I didn't feel like I was at a disadvantage. And they said, oh no, you got to help our kids. Mm -hmm. So when I talked to my sisters, they said, hmm, we were planning on going back, but we were not going to educate like that we're going to do what they need try to help them with tuition try to you know give them food try to teach them skills like first aid or something but you are the teacher you need to go back and do teaching and that's when i decided okay i will be a school so i went into construction that's a whole other book so that's really <laughs> depressing so we won't talk about that but i went into construction 
And that's when after a couple of years of going back and forth, I realized that the contractor was getting rich and nothing was happening in the village. So um, we ended up finally with the building. I had it stacked with um, books from kindergarten to high school. My sisters, they were interested first in starting the tuition process. And my dear old uncle decided that I needed to have a farm because I was now in the bush. And if I'm going to live in the bush, I got to have a farm. And the farm must have farm animals. And I'm going, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and then he said, yes, yes, yes. And you know, you don't argue with your elders. I said, okay, uncle, you provide and I will help. So he brought mama, the first sheep, and then he brought her brother. Then I ended up with guinea hens and chickens and turkeys and dogs, all because my uncle said, if you're in the bushes, this is what you need. I said, uncle, we don't say bushes anymore. We said rural areas. And he said, you're in the bush. <laughs> so that's how I started accumulating these animals over the years as we kept and I said, we, my sisters and I, we kept going back and forth. And now we have a whole menagerie of critters. Oh, wow. And so, yes. And so I just decided, you know, at first I wasn't interested, but you know, when you have to take care of a baby chick because the mom doesn't want it anymore, or your dog is sick, or your sheep is sick or something, then I realized if I'm going to be here, these are going to be my friends and I have to take care of them. And that's how the relationship starts. So I was hoping when they called me mama to show that humans and animals can develop a relationship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it works well together and you know, you help each other like the dogs, uh, you know, they will uh, notify you if someone uh, comes on the property that shouldn't be there. And just how the things, you know, just how they, everybody gets along. So you just sit there and you watch them, you know. I remember one day I was sitting and watching my uh, four little turkeys, the little chicks, tiny. And the dogs, you know, they will eat them. And so I had my stick and I'm like, these are mine. Don't <laughs> touch and I have pictures of where you could see the dogs. They're crawling slowly, centimeter by centimeter, till they get close to the chick. And then I touch them with the stick and they back off. And then the chicks were so inquisitive that they're the ones you now when the dogs back off, they try to go and climb on the dog's feet. And the dogs would look at me like, okay, no, you don't touch them, let them do it. You know, so I, I start to enjoy this. And I go, wow, there's so much that happens that when I was growing up, this was such hard work. I never noticed this before. Now I'm seeing all this and I got so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so funny. I love hearing animal stories like that. Now, is the farm and the school building on the same property? The school is still on the property, but I did not open the school per se. We use it for um, Bible study right now because after my experience with the contractor and all the money that went down the drain, I lost hope. And mm. even though, you know, people were saying, oh, come on, open, open the school, you know, the kids need this and that. What we do now, we're sponsoring the kids in primary school and high school because you have to pay in Belize. And um, we have a tutoring. So my sisters use it for tutoring and volunteers come in and tutor. Oh, wow. So that's what we use it for now. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So this is where you met mama after you came back. Yes, I met Mama. Mama came in 2016. Uh, my uncle brought her, and then a week later, he brought the brother, and then um, he brought another one. So we ended up with two females and a male. Okay. So when the dogs came in, I had 
two females, the male, and I believe two or three mother had a set of twins. So yes, yeah, so there were six of them when the dogs came in and tried to eat my critters in the middle of the night. Oh no, yeah. And, yeah. and so that's one of the uh, emotional topics you cover in your book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just talk about the realities of life on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Based on that experience, and then there's another event at the end with Mama, what do you feel like is the best age group for your book? middle school I think around age 12 and up I know I read it to my grandkids but they're exceptional the six-year-old the eight-year-old and the 11-year-old and they really enjoyed it and um, I use it the way they learn reading from their mom because my mom taught her like she taught us but the way they learn it as I'm reading the story they're asking questions. Mm. So when I go to read with them, it's like I'm teaching again. And they really enjoyed it. I didn't see it affected them, especially the six-year-old. He's into critters. So he, when I go to Belize and come back, all they want to see pictures of the animals, videotapes, tell the story. That's all they're interested in. So <laughs> they really got into it. So, uh, But I would say for kids who have not been in the country who have not um, had experiences with animals, I would say middle school and above. Mm-hmm. And in this book, I added a lesson plan for the parents, teachers, anybody to guide the kids as they're reading the lessons. Oh, okay. To talk through some subjects that they might not be familiar with. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Okay. So now Mama, she sounded like quite a character. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like having her on the farm? Mama... Um, after the experience, mother was injured the most because when I went in there the night with the animals, when the dogs were attacking, mama was standing in the front. So mama got the worst of it. Mm. And so my uncle, he would come by every morning at four o'clock and he would say, wash her face with salt and water. And um, that would help. But I noticed the other animals who got torn up in the face, not as bad as she did, they were recuperating or recuperated faster than mama did. So I said, uncle, something is wrong with this sheep. At that time, I didn't call her mama yet. I said, something is wrong with this sheep. And he said, well, I don't know. We've been dressing her and I don't see anything. Mm -hmm. So I used to get the blow dryer. (laughs) Tell you, I got involved with my critter. I got the blow dryer. And after we did the salt and water, the warm salt and water, I would blow dry her face. And she seemed to revive a little bit. But when that was over, she still wasn't moving like she used to. Mm. So one morning I was playing around with her face and my finger went into a hole. And I said, uncle, come here. And he said, yes, that's the problem. So, you know, she had a hole in her face, but it wasn't visible because, you know, of all the furs or whatever they have on their face. So we were missing it the whole time. Oh, and she used to get special treats because you have to give her special treats so she could stand in one place so you could dress her. Well, after all that was over, I noticed that mama was pretending to be sick. And I said, mama, I already fed you. Now get away from here, mama. Oh, no. That's why I started calling her mama. I said, because you're the mama of these other ones, because I see how they treated her. When mama was sick and not moving, they congregated around. And then when mama would get up, then everybody spreads out. So I said, okay, mama is in charge. So I said, mama, get away, get away, mama. But she wouldn't. So if you notice, and my my mother was always laughing when we were there because she said, where did you learn to feed the sheep carrots and lettuce? 
and leftover rice and beans and all this stuff. I said, hey, we don't have to buy it. We have leftovers. Just give it to the sheep. The rest were hesitant, but mama ate everything like a human being. And then when the others see that mama ate something like maybe the cabbage or something, then they started eating it. I thought, this is interesting. Mama is in charge. So every time mama comes to the door, mama gets fed. Then I watch mama. She would hang around the house. And as the population grew, the other sheep would spread out over the property. They miss mama and they would be running around making all this noise, buying and buying. And mama would sit right outside the door and not say a word. Or she would be eating right out there and she wouldn't move. Then they come, they found her, they got around her and Mama looked at them and I said, I think she's smiling. And then she's, they're gone again. And mama just stayed there. And I just watch her and I go, this is really interesting. Oh, let me tell you what mama did to me one time. So I left. When I went back, I was feeding the critters. So mama saw that I was feeding the hens one night. So the next evening, what did mama do? She laid in front of the gate to the hen's house. So I couldn't get in. <laughs> I said, mama, you better move from here. And she wouldn't move. And I used to see I was pushing her and pushing her. And then she finally moved. But she did that two nights in a row, I guess, to let me know that she was first. She I'm is like, so smart. Yes, I get to love her. I said, this is mama. Or when you go to open the gate in the morning, the other sheep will not come out until mama came out first. Or they would not go in at night until mama enter first. And mama decided, I don't care when they want me to go. It's not my time. I'm going to wait and eat until I'm ready. So I was just fascinated, just looking at her. I said, this is a bad kid. This is what children do. So then um, my family would say, well, you spoiled her. I said, oh, well, hey, got to spoil one kid. <laughs> and uh, as we go around, you know, and I just watch her and I look at her sometimes how she looked at the other critters and I go, mama is really studying them. You know, she yeah. gets in no trouble and they get in trouble and she just looks at them and I go, yeah, let's, let's tell it from her point of view and let her chastise them every now and again, you know, <laughs> and then, yeah. um, when it came to the end, when she got that, um, I showed in the picture that thing that nobody seemed to be fixed. Then I could see the pain. I could see the hurt. And I caught one of the pictures and I hope it came out in the book. You could see she was so sick because mm -hmm. as we look at the draft, people were saying, Gloria, that's real. That's real. She is in pain. And she, I said, yeah, you know, this, I have to use it. I have to use it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's why I got tangled up with mama. Yeah, I feel like animals are kind of like babies. They can't tell you what's wrong. You kind of have to figure it out on your own. Um, but they do give you signals. Mm -hmm. It's true. <laughs> you know, the babies are crying and the sheep is just lying there, not doing anything. Like the night when the dogs attacked her, I said, Mama, why didn't you scream? Why didn't you bow? Why didn't you do something? Right. You know, all I kept hearing was the dogs, but I never heard anything else. I said, Mama, you got to do something. You know, she just just so sick. She just looked at me. Oh, yeah. poor thing. Now, yeah. you talked a little bit about the pictures, and I love all the pictures in the book. I feel like that really took you to the farm in Belize because they were actual pictures there. Were you the photographer? Yes, ma'am. I was running around with that camera all day. I had my phone. 
I had that phone hooked up all day because when I don't have it, I miss stuff. And then, you know, sometimes you're so busy, you forget the camera. And then sometimes I, by the time I run back to get the camera, it's too late. So yeah. I try to have it with me as much as I can, but I know I miss a lot of stuff. And like I said, I have thousands and thousands of pictures but for this particular book, I was just trying to be selective. But I mean, I have so many pictures. I could do a whole 5,000 page book on just by showing the, how the critters behave, you know. Right. I had a video of one of my little lambs who thought she was a chicken or a hen because she sees how they run around in the evening when you come with the bucket to feed them. And so she was running with them. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is oh, people would not believe this. This is so amazing. <laughs> Oh, that is amazing. So, so how long did it take you to take all these pictures and then write the story? How long did it take you to put your book together? In 2016, when I started collecting the pictures, I wasn't collecting them at the time to write a book. I was just collecting them so I could show my grandkids when I came back to the States. But as the incidents keep occurring, I said, you know what? I could really write a book. I really started writing a book about my first two dogs that uncle gave me. And then because I see these animals, I change it. And I go, you know, just take pictures for now. So the picture started in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, I took more pictures and I said, you know what, maybe you should start writing a book. Okay, I'll get to that. Then 2020, when I went back at the start of the pandemic and the country was locked down, the airport was closed. Then I decided, okay, I have some free time. Mm -hmm. And I was working on three books at the same time, which the others were started years before. But this one, I try to finish this one first. So that's what happened. So 2016 started collecting the pictures. 2020 is when I started writing about the Call Me Mama. And then when I came over here last year in April, then I finalized it and published it. Wow. So you were in Belize, you were in lockdown in Belize during the beginning of the pandemic until just last yes. year? Yeah. Yes, I was going to go back anyway to rotate with my sisters around the summertime. But then at the start of the pandemic, they said the airport in Belize was going to be closed on March 21st. So I'm like, well, if it, they close it down, my sisters, it's their time to come. So I need to get there. So I changed my flight and I took off and I got there. So we were on lockdown for a couple of months. And then as it started, you know, lifting and lifting, I started working on a nonprofit. Um, with the education to help the people. I started the food pantry while I was there. See, the pandemic make you start things. Yeah. And then I came back last April and then my sisters went. Okay. Now you've written a number of books on many different topics. Did you publish them all yourself? I published most of them all myself except two. One of them was, it's the memory of an old fashioned Christmas. I had a publisher for that one, but then I took it over and I redid it and put it on Amazon the way I wanted it. And then building for retirement in Belize, I had another publisher for that. I liked the way they did it and everything, but I'm going through this year with it on Amazon on my own. But all the other books I put on Amazon myself. Okay. There are pros and cons of publishing it yourself or using a publisher. And I think most indie authors that I talk to like the freedom of self-publishing. And with that too, you know, let's say somebody might say, you know what, I'm on page, I don't know, page five. I don't really like that picture or why don't you add such and such a picture? Then by publishing it on Amazon, I can always go back and make a change. Oh, right, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But that's what I like about it, that I can go back or maybe as I'm reading it to my grandkids and I go, oh, I don't like this word. Or they may say, you know what, that word is too easy. Why don't you put a bigger word or something? And then I would, <laughs> yes, all those kids, yes. Mm-hmm. They will tell me about my vocabulary. You're making it too easy. I said, but I'm not writing for you. I'm writing for all the other kids, not just for you. <laughs> yeah. So that's the beauty of it. Well, by doing it myself like that, I can always make a change. Yeah. So did your grandchildren help you with this book, with their opinions about the story? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Every time I come and um, before I left in 2020, I was telling them, I say, you know, you see all these pictures you're looking at? I want to tell a story. And I said, put all the pictures. You got to put all the pictures. I said, well, no, I cannot put all the pictures. Well, put the pictures that will tell the story that I can enjoy the story, Abuelita. They call me Abuelita. I said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. So when I came back, I WhatsApp it to their mom when I was in Belize. And I said, have the kids read it and give me some suggestions. And so the older one was 10 at the time. And he said, I like everything in the book. I just need a lot more pictures because you didn't put in all the pictures that you showed us. And I said, well, I can't do that because people will get bored. And they said, well, then next time you need to write a story. I said, you say next time we need to write a story. Well, I talk it over with my sister and my brother and we want more stories. I said, let's focus on this one. Do you like it? What do you like about it? (laughs) And they say, yes, you told a real story and you make the sheep look like they're humans. And I said, well, they could be. They said, no, they can't be. And I said, okay, I'll give you that. And I said, but they they like the idea that mama told the story. But the six-year-old, he was four at the time, he said, but sheep do not talk. And the older one said, you can pretend that the sheep is talking. And I said, oh my goodness, I got it. I got it. But yeah, they were just, so they just wanted more pictures and they wanted pictures of everything. But I said, that's for a picture book. That's for the next book. Right, right. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have plans to keep writing. What are you working on right now? After I finished the first book I wrote about my experiences in America and I got into education, I realized that I could pen a story about what I was seeing. And at the time, it was a long title, like why Janice still can't read and won't. But it focused on education and the pitfalls I see coming in. Remember, I got educated in Belize. I got my foundation in Belize. So when I came to America, it's such a difference. I realized looking at the American education system, having been in it, I saw some pitfalls. And when I got to my classroom, I tried to correct them. But Mm -hmm. I also noticed that when I look externally, It's hard for a teacher to function if you're not strong enough to say, this is what works and this is what I'm going to do. And I see we were passing Johnny and we were passing Mary Lou and we were passing Mama Sheep and everybody was getting a diploma. And I'm looking at these kids. I have some of them and they can't read or write. So I decided to tell this story so people could be aware. So that book was started, but then I got involved in writing other books. And the other day I realized, oh, you never finished it. So uh, that's the one I'm working at, why Jenny still can't read and won't. And then I'm also working on one about the critters, you know, trying to add more pictures and then write one about the first two dogs we had on the property, what happened to one of them and how the other one was in mourning and stuff like that. So, but I want to do it more as just a picture book 
and not tell a lot of stories on that one. So I'm trying to decide how best to handle the next one. Either just do picture books with a sentence or like my older grandson is saying, he's now 11, he said, give me the pictures and let me write the story. That's a great idea. And I mean, you and your grandson could co-author the book together. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he would love it. He would love it. Yeah. And there is a book I, I wrote in 2016. It's called Diamond. It's about my horse. My dad had given me a horse and I have it. And I have had different students try to um, draw the pictures for me, but I've never liked the pictures. And then I went back home and I had one of the, the workers um, with his family. We took real pictures, but I told him we were talking last week and I said, no, I don't want the real pictures. I need to take those pictures and convert them into like cartoons or something. So I don't know if I'm on the right track, but I just want to change it up a little bit for children. So that's what we've been looking into. But we have all the pictures. The book is ready. I'm republishing it because the first time I published it back in 2016, I once I have it now and I'm looking at the pictures as I got more experience, I don't like them. And that's what I'm working on that too. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have plenty to keep you busy for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to add today? I just would like to say that, you know, there are times when we need to realize that, you know, animals, they're humans in a way. They're human, like they have feelings, they hurt, they're in pain. And, you know, sometimes I watch a commercial on TV how animals are abused. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking after working with my critters, I can't do that. So I have to be careful that I don't want to take care of anymore. But I hope we have an end game, an end number on the farm because we just have too many critters right now. But it's, it's just a pleasure, you know, going back home and trying to help the people with what we are doing there. And, you know, I enjoy it. I miss it. You know, I miss my critters, you know, sitting out there and talking to them. Mother used to say, they're going to answer you one day and I'll see what you're going to do. I say, I'll just run. <laughs> but yeah. So we have conversations and they would be looking at me and I just talk to them. Well, Gloria, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. And I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us and sharing a little bit about yourself and your work. And we look forward to seeing what comes from you next. I do too. And I hope you'll have me back again sometime. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated the discussion. To learn more about Gloria and her works, visit her Amazon author page at amazon.com slash Gloria Swift. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.